As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey listeners, welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, it's all about the power of financial literacy, what we like to call the one-two punch. Yes. And I have here with me the lovely Dion, the lady with the cold heart stats and facts. Hi, everybody. But we have a special guest, another black guy with good credit, not Arlington, not Derek, but we have Borough, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams on our show today. Nice to be here, and I, I guess that I'm representative of the symbolic black guy, because this is a beautiful young lady, so she's not one of the black guys. <laughs> Absolutely not. She, you are that black guy today with good credit. And he, we are here to talk about financial literacy and what Brooklyn is trying to do to make it a permanent thing with young people. So without further ado, we're going to let Matt take it away to commercial so we can get this show started. It's financial literacy, the one-two punch, good people. Listen in. Matt, take us away. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Welcome back to the show, Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Like I just said, we have our honorary black guy with good credit, Borough President Eric Adams today on the show, and we're talking about financial literacy, the one-two punch. So without further ado, we're going to get into the questions. Borough President, are you ready? 
Yes, I am. Good, great to be here. And this is a popular conversation for me. It's one of the first things I started here at Borough Hall is to really engage people in financial literacy. And it's something uh, that elected officials normally uh, won't really go into this area and this space. Because if you were to do an analysis, a lot of elected officials are going through financial crises as well. And I've spoke, I have uh, communicated with some notable uh, public figures uh, who you see every day uh, wearing Brooke Brothers suits and driving fancy vehicles and nice shoes, red bottoms and nice bags. Uh, but they talk about that they are one or two paychecks away from crisis. And you know, even saw so during a public advocate race, uh, Jemani Williams is one of the um, best elected officials that we have in the city, but he was going through some personal financial crises around uh, some of his properties. And even the uh, Attorney General, uh, Letitia James, um, during previous days, she was having some issues with her home and her mortgages. And so you can go official after if official, and you'll see that you know public life can be private despair when you have financial uh, trauma. Well, a certain top flat. official I heard uh, writes off over $150 million in debt every year. So, I mean, it's a problem. And it's good to say that you share that with us because I'm sure people listening from the outside looking in, you wouldn't think that politicians are going through the same thing that the everyday person is as far as managing their bills and paying their bills on time and maintaining good credit. So is there any advantage by being a politician when it comes to credit or anything like that? Does it help you in any way, get you through any doors, or it's the same, same as anybody else? Same trauma. You know, you walk to to a bank, uh, you know, Citibank or uh, Chase, and you try to get a mortgage. They're looking at your credit score. They're not looking, looking at your election scores. Wow. They could care less if you won 70 percent of the vote. The question is, is do you have a, a credit score that is uh, seven or, or eight or a high credit score because if you don't it impacts you in many ways and many people are not connecting the dots credit scores can impact your employment if you're going to be hired or not uh, it impacts on how large your uh, interest rate could be on your vehicle uh, it just impacts you so many ways on how credit scores are used wow so it sounds like it's a, it's a personal thing with you which is good and I can feel the passion um we know that you are Brooklyn all the way, originally born in Brownsville, right? Yes. <laughs> um, let's just, I mean, we, like I said, our listeners are come from all over the world, so those that don't know you, just like give us high-level few things about you, yourself that you'd want to share with the world. Well, well, Brooklyn is the third largest city in America with 2.6 million people. And it is an extremely diverse place where 47% uh, of Brooklynites speak a language other than English at home. And we have the largest population of so many different groups. We're the largest Caribbean diaspora uh, throughout the entire globe. We have the largest Jewish population outside of Israel, uh, the largest Chinese, one of the largest Chinese and Asian population, one of the largest Russian-speaking population, um, communities from Pakistan, Yemen, all over the globe uh, is right here in the borough of Brooklyn. And probably the only common denomina denominator is the challenge around uh, finances. You know, So although we come from different places on the globe, we all sit at the same place when we talk about economic despair. Uh, I started out uh, my public life in the police department. I was a captain. I retired as a captain and ran for state senate. I was elected to state senate. And then after seven years in uh, as a legislator, I became the borough president 
president of Brooklyn as the first person of color to be the bar president in Brooklyn. <laughs> well done. Um, I will say it was a, it was a very uh, proud moment uh, for Financially Clean to uh, stand with you at mm. your press conference last month, mm. uh, Financial Literacy Month, mm -hmm. um, when you announced your bill to actually make uh, financial literacy a permanent part of the high school curriculum, um, something that we had originally envisioned um, uh, when we first you know, launched our nonprofit. Uh, can you share with the nation, the world, um, what this bill is really about? It's about information, and you know, it's almost alarming that we're having a conversation about having to pass a law to have young people learn about um, financial literacy, um, something that would probably impact our lives more than any other area. Um, when you look at you know being financially healthy and physically healthy will have a greater impact on the quality of life of a person. If you uh, cannot pay your bills, which we find, which, which is very interesting, 40% of New Yorkers have a sufficiency uh, deficit. It means that they don't have uh, the amount of income that would allow them to have their basic needs, food, shelter, clothing. 40%. It's not only not only low income, we're not talking about people who are the messengers or making minimum wage. We're talking about teachers, firefighters, uh, law enforcement, you know, doctors. Because if you live in a certain community and you're paying an overwhelming amount of your money to rent, God forbid if you have a, a student loan or if you have children who you have to pay for school and, and food, and when you do an analysis, we're finding that going and attending soup kitchens and food pantries, they are middle-income New Yorkers because they're not managing or they're going through some type of financial crisis. And so this bill is saying, let's start out young. I believe we should go back to elementary school and teach children based on their uh, level of comprehension, but we should start having conversations around money. What is a credit card? What are interest rates? What are high interest rate cards? What does it mean to pay down a minimum amount on a credit card and how much you pay after 15, 20 years? And what does it mean to pay cash for something? What is a savings account? How do you save for college? All of these conversations are important, and we have to ask ourselves, where are people learning it? Let me, let me just piggyback on what, on what you're saying, because... Deanna and I ourselves with our program Financially Clean, we were fortunate enough to teach all through New York City. And we've taught in your back door in Brownsville. And we taught at Jefferson High School. And, you know, it's amazing to see the transition in these kids because we stay, our program is a 12-week program because we're trying to make a change. We're not just in and out in one day. So they're going home, asking questions to their parents, reiterating stuff. And you can see they're learning. You see the mind clicking. I mean, and you can see, like, we've, we've taught kids that, quote, unquote, are call themselves boosters or scammers. And you can see that, wow, I can make money legal. I can do things legal and how credit can help me and how I can develop and how I can grow and the questions they come back with and the interest and I've, I've even had one principal ask me you've never had problems with any kids at Jefferson I said I've been teaching financial literacy for almost four years and I've have yet to have a bad student class is quiet cell phones are down kids are paying attention because they want the information and it's unbelievable and we're, it's finally taken us to 2019 for someone like yourself to now say you know let's make this a permanent fixture because I think it's really just them kids not having the information. Once they have the information, it's mind-changing, it's life-changing, it's community-changing. So I applaud you once again for, for doing this because 
I see it firsthand, the effect of financial literacy with these young people. And saying that you want to start off with young people is where it should start. And, you know, people have always tried to pull us into being like a credit repair program. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to be proactive when it comes to credit, just like what you're trying to do. So for all those listeners, it really has an effect and really makes a change. So once again, that's why I wanted to interview, because I'm, I'm literally applauding you for taking on this initiative. And, and, and you just, you know, you really have it right, and you're hitting it out, hitting it out the park when you do an analysis. And that is why we're calling on the state and assembly to just hold hearings and move this bill forward. Uh, Leroy Comrie, who's a good friend of mine, and Assemblyman Assemblyman, uh, Daniel uh, Rosenthal are really pushing this bill. And it's going to allow um, uh, students to learn financial planning, budgeting, borrowing interest rates, personal insurance policies, and what's the impact of all of these uh, uh, items. Now, we're not new. Unfortunately, New York is late to the game because you you have um, several states that have already required personal finance course to be taught at uh, graduate and to, to graduate high school. So we're saying you're not getting out of high sc- school until you learn how to manage the money when you get out. And so, you know, hooray to those states like uh, Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, Utah, in Virginia. So we need to be on the forefront of this conversation. This is a real issue when you look at um, how finance can really traumatize and remove the quality of life. When you have a conversation with uh, individuals who are married and you ask them to to participate in a survey, they point to finance as one of the top tensions that they have in a household. So we're really impacting the quality of life. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually curious because you had mentioned, you know, you know, where are we learning this stuff? Who, who are we talking to? So I'm actually curious um, for you growing up, you know, what was the biggest influence for you? Um, you know, who uh, either was it words of wisdom? Was it, you know, modeling after your parents? Where did you where were you influenced and how did you learn about personal finance? And that's 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 very interesting. Uh, uh, My mother was always a person who knew how to eke out a dollar. And I'm amazed that she just knew the basic understanding coming from the South, Mm -hmm. that it was always important to own a home. And she focused on that. Uh, but my my credit would have been destroyed if it wasn't for you know a, a shorty in my life. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, every, every good, good man, man is a good right? woman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, Shout out to the shorty. You listen. I know you're listening. <laughs> We're the keeps on giving. You know. <laughs> and and I remember she would you know back when I was a rookie cop because I had no real understanding you know when I get. That when I got the bill in the mail that said it was late, I was I was sort of like, you know what, you get the money when I send it to you, you know, so what, you, you're upset. And she would say, listen, you're going to mess up your credit. And she would actually mail in the check for me because she said, I don't want you to have bad credit. Later in life, you, you're going to want to buy a home. And I had no idea, you know, about this whole conversation about credit scores. I had no idea about, you know, needing a strong score when you go to, you know, purchase a home. And later, when we purchased a co-op together, the two of us, and I had to go to Citibank for my first mortgage, and the first thing they asked when I sat down was, you know, hey, how your, how is your credit score? And I looked over at her and smiled because she was dead on. She said, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> you know, but imagine if, if I didn't have her 
to show me that, then I would not have been able to purchase that uh, co-op that led to using it as a down payment to purchase my brownstone that led it to purchase a, an additional property. You know, so the the foundation of my ability to acquire some form of um, of institutional wealth for my family was based on the conversation of someone that knew the intelligence about credit. Mm, and you touched on something that's really key to generational yes yes Um, that's a great story actually Um, I can say personally um, really uh, I had a single mom who had come from the Caribbean didn't know anything about the credit system and uh, the one thing she told me was always have a roof over your head and pay your bills on time that that was the extent of it the fact that you had someone in your life that you're very fortunate because a lot of us don't have that and they don't and you know what? We, we wear our wealth on our backs on our cars. And, you know, you, I, I, I am telling you, you would be surprised how many folks you think have their life together. And then you take a peek at their credit or their savings or their retirement, and it will blow you away. Well, I, have a, I have a rule of thumb in New York. I don't, I don't rate anybody until I see where they're living. I've seen some guys. I remember I had a good friend. Well, I won't name, but his brother managed one of the top hotels in New York City, had on the best suits, we made champagne service every time we went out to the club, and the bouncer let him in, and he is, his house was his brother's couch. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that was his... Not uh, a drop of a lie. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, you know, and we all have inspirations. Like your story, my, similar, my mom, unfortunately, never really saw the advantage of owning. We grew up in government housing. But when she, she did, was always pushed paying bills on time and right. we, we really extended our she kept our fridge full and our house fully furnished to the part of the social work in her head the social worker was jealous of us because <laughs> 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 we had everything going on she was so the social worker come our house was spotless so but she used credit to do that I, I don't want to know what interest rate she was paying at the time but she right. was using credit to, to provide for us and to provide shelter for us so her always paying bills on time was what kept me um, you know good in the credit game yeah, I, I had a good friend who purchased a car, and he uh, he purchased the car, took out the interest or the credit that the car dealer connected him with, five years deep. And, you know, he's he he's talking about he wanted to purchase a home, and he said, you know, Eric, my credit score was low. Do you know why? I said, well, why don't you bring your credit report? Let me look at your your payment. First of all, he was um, his his leverage of uh, credit to debt was so high. And five years of paying for the car, he realized that he only paid three thousand dollars, you know, on the actual cost of the car of a thirty-seven thousand dollar car. He was so busy paying this high interest rate car. And I said, you know, you're gonna be paying for this car. You might as well bought purchase a Rolls Royce. <laughs> amongst African Americans, our our number one asset is a car, and that's a depreciating yes. asset. And to be taking so much energy into owning that is is an amazing thing. And it's just a mindset that, once again, through what we're trying to teach the young adults can make that shift that change because you know I do have a car but you know my tenants pay for my car that's how I I look at it and that's and that's what I we try to show these kids too in our program is that hey you can have all the great things in life but you know there's a way in which to build and do it how credit can help you do that like nobody's trying to tell you to go out life being conservative being cheap it's just about doing things strategically 
So true, so true. And you, 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 if you make the sacrifices on the front end, you could have all those benefits on the back end. Amen. You know, I, you know, I went without on the front end because I said I wanted to build a level of of comfortable uh, wealth that I can do some of the things on the back end, and it has it has paid off. Well, yeah, yeah, it's true, and you don't really see it. I mean, I, I know these young people think that you know, 50 or 40 is this age that dinosaurs live in. But one day, <laughs> when you get there and if you lay the foundation properly, you will see all the benefits and how easy the road will be from then on. Yes, delayed gratification is a powerful thing. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you had mentioned the five states. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, that are actually doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, of the 45 states that do include personal finance in their K-12 through um, curriculum. Uh, so it's kind of shocking, isn't it, that only five are really getting a passing grade, however. Um, and that was according to um, a report that was done by uh, Champlain College Financial Literacy, Financial Literacy Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and why these five um, states stood out, and that was, as you said, Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, Utah, and Virginia, um, was because they actually implemented, implemented certain things, like you said, um, standardized testing. Um, they actually made it a required class and not just, you know, kind of feeding it into other, you know, um, class like economics or what have you. Um, so just out of curiosity, what, what do you envision for New York's um, program that you feel will really uh, create a stronghold here and really empower our, our youth? I think uh, age-specific uh, uh, course curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you look at the age and you figure out um, at what age 
they should be learning um, various skills. And this is well thought out already. We know when a, when a child's in pre-K what, what they should learn when a child is in first, second, and third. Attached to the curricula that exists should be um, financial literacy. What should, what, should, what should they be learning at, you know, in pre-K, first, second? So it should be already built into uh, their mindset and their thinking. You know, what does it mean to purchase a home? What does it mean? Um, what should the mortgage be? Those different scenarios, doing uh, vignettes and, and conversation and role-playing. Hey, you, you are a banker. You know, why didn't you give little Johnny that house? Well, little Johnny was owing such and such credit cards. Now you starting to build it into your everyday interactions, you know, doing, doing comparative analysis of a little Bob spent X amount of dollars uh, on a car, and he now wants to purchase such and such, but this is how much he makes. You know, when you do those real role plays, it becomes real for children, and then repeat them over and over again so they could understand the principles of it. Wow, well, there's a great mm-hmm. program I know that does something similar. There's a 12 12- program called Financially Clean that I think could we, we could create a great marriage here. Okay, once again, I know you're from Brownsville, and this has always been my thing. This is what inspires me to keep pushing financial literacy down and, and never give up on it is because, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, close your eyes and just imagine how different do you think Brownsville, Brooklyn would look or any, you know, challenging community in that part if everybody in that community had good credit? How would that community look once you educate and inform people? I mean, I think a lot of work, politicians, a lot of your, your job would be a lot easier from policing, from, you know, homeownership, from taking care of the community, because once people gather this knowledge that we're trying to teach, I think it changes the mindset. Right, right, right. And, and, and also cha- it, it also changes your disposition. You, you go from uh, not living in a state of emergency. When we look at the overwhelming number of people who uh, can't handle a, a $400 emergency, that will come up in their li- in their in their lives, you know, and you know those who just have a just a total bleak outlook of their economic future. Well, particularly our, the, the millennials, you know, our young people, you know, they the instant lifestyle is also the instant economics, and not it's amazing how. Uh, intelligent we are, but we don't focus on those things that ha- that have a great impact on our lives. Don't do one instant gratification. My son doesn't want to work at my store. He just wants to sell stuff on StockX. <laughs> 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 I love that. I, I, and I and I honestly believe too. Like even in, in low income neighborhoods, like social programs are originally designed as bridges, you know, and now they're just. And now they're just dependency, lifelong passed on skills, you know, to the next generation and so forth. So I think with financial literacy, again, I think social programs would be reduced and the cost of those would be lessened because people would realize, yeah. And, and you're right. Um, social programs uh, should be uh, bridges, not foundations that you live on right. and you continue to hand down from generation to generation. And the name of the game, if we use social programs correctly, then they would be a Available for those who are in high needs, and you can move on to the next step. Use it as a, as a ladder, and that's not what we're doing. Right, right. We're actually leaving our um, when we pass away, our in terms of inheritance, we're actually leaving negative. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said. um, And how different do you think? um, I know you were a police officer 22 years. How different do you think if some of the people that, you know, people that were incarcerated or you may arrest, they were financial literacy. Do you think it would make a difference in far as arrest rates and so forth? And it should be something in those who are incarcerated. There's no reason we can't have financial literacy programs while you're inside. Absolutely. You know, you you because when you get out, you're going to have to, you know, balance uh, your, crep, your your, your check, check account. You're going to not do the acts that put you in in the first place. You know, the the importance of teaching people how to manage their money and how to use their money correctly is something that a society uh, should have part of their everyday interaction. And it's really, uh, it's it's alarming that those who are making the decisions, they are slow on understanding how important it is that those who are um, getting paid and living from paycheck to paycheck, learning the process of paying yourself first, putting away, I don't care if it's a dollar. Some people say, well, you know, I have nothing to put away. Well, let's try a dollar a week. That's $50 a month. You know, yes, yes. I mean, $50 a, um, a, a year, $52 a year. So it's about really rethinking and changing the paradigm of what money is and how it impacts your life. You talk to young offenders and, you know, once again, mind-blowing for them, questions they asked, the inspiration that they got, you know, and how, good, how they felt that they can make something, they can do something. And although they had their past, that there's a still a bright future ahead of them if they manage and play the game right. So true, so true. And it's about creating uh, optimisms, when, optimism. And when you take an examination, how people are optim- optimistic about their financial future. And, you know, here in America, only 16% of Americans between the ages of 18 to 26 are very optimistic. Uh, they're overwhelming. When you look at it, uh, we're talking about 84 percent are not optimistic at all. And that's alarming because if you don't see a future, then you don't believe in the future and you don't believe in yourself in the process. You don't realize just how much, as you said, trauma, how much emotional, um, how much emotions attached around finance. Right. It should be from the cradle. Yeah. From the cradle on, you know, we did a, a great initiative, Council Member Traeger and I, in 2017. Uh, we uh, pushed past a bipartisan uh, law at helping parents prepare for the future college expenses. We um, had our bill where we required the health department within three months of a child's birth uh, to distribute financial planning and college saving plan materials for the parents and guardians of the child. I don't know what I would have done. Uh, My son went to American University. The tuition for the school was $54,000 a year. And I was a a lieutenant at the time. And, you know, I don't know too many lieutenants that could write a $54,000 a year check. (laughs) You know, but because I did the college savings plan, I saved up enough to pay an entire uh, uh, tuition semester. And it just helped a lot because... That allowed me to always be one step ahead. So all I had to do was really be ready for the next semester. I was already one one semester ahead, and I just had to just continue to save to catch up. And he was able to graduate from college debt-free. Yes, that, that's a, I mean, that's such a competitive yes, advantage. I mean, it's, yes, it it's such it a competitive really advantage is, to be able you know, When yeah. you know that uh, outside of mortgages, right now, um, student loan debt is the number one form of consumer mm. debt 
Mm. So kudos to you, Dad. Right. I remember the day I was worth zero. I was like 31 years old. I was like, I am at zero. I paid off. Like, I was so happy. Can imagine <laughs> being 24 or 25 and being at zero is a gift. It I mean, is. that's a great. It gift. Really, and I, I believe Obama. I don't know when he beca- if, when he became senator or president. One of the two. He just paid off his college. <laughs> well, in the meantime, uh, Borough President, um, while you work on getting this ever so critical bill passed. Um, We know that two-thirds of parents are reluctant to talk about personal finance at home. Um, That's according to a a T. Rowe Price survey. Uh, What would be the one thing you would say to parents right now? Uh, don't be ashamed. Uh, it's an ET moment. They are not alone. Mm. <laughs> you got to the millennium what ET means, okay? Extraterrestrial, that movie. If you haven't seen it, it's in the 1980s. People come, kids are like, what? <laughs> you know, it was Steven Spielberg's birth. Yes, for those who don't know. No, great movie to watch. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's really uh, the signature quote in that movie was, you're not alone. And they should feel that way. They're not alone. You know, this is a problem that is is pervasive throughout the entire country. And to start every day, take one week and say, this week I'm going to learn about a particular topic. And then actually introduce it, implement it into your, your, your lives. Um, give your, your, your son or daughter a quarter and say, you need to add that quarter, five cents of that quarter, you're going to put away as a saving. Uh, the other 20 cents, you're going to figure out how you're going to do something that's going to help you make money out of that 20 cents. And let them start doing little things, uh, having a paper route, uh, Kool-Aid stand, right, shoe shine box. We put up our, our son had a lemonade stand in Clinton Hill, and he was selling really lemon and water for $3 a glass. He, he was making $200. Every time he lost his phone, he had to set up a lemonade stand. <laughs> for those people that don't know, Brooklyn is a great borough to set up a lemonade stand because these people pay $3 for water and lemons. So it, it, he was amazed at how much money he could make in a two-hour time period. And we don't and we do not do that. I remember when my son was, uh, he's doing his master's now. And, you know, are you helping on that with that one? Or he's on yeah, his own? The one that left American University is now doing are you, help, are you helping that tuition or he's on his own? You no, know, I'm helping him with it. But at the same time, but I told him that, you know, I, would, I do the first year and the rest is on you. Wow. You know? And he thought he was going to, you know, be the borough president's dad. I said, no, you're going to be, you're going you're gonna to wait tables. Right. And because it, it, it builds character. It Absolutely. It builds Absolutely. character. Absolutely. And, you know. Well, he's like you have entitlement issues. You, you know, you know and, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. And as you stated, you you build institutional wealth. You know, I have I only have one child, so all that I have is going to be turned over to him. All your energy's there. And I don't want him blowing. You know, you know, you he, you were going to inherit a, a a million dollar plus brownstone, and you can't maintain the pa- the payment. That's what happens often. So absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yes. Right. So um, true. Well, thank you for that. Powerful, Sean. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but first of all, I want to say, um, for those that haven't come to Borough Hall, it's a beautiful building, and you should take note of it. I think it's one of the oldest political buildings in Brooklyn, if not the oldest building. Yes, it is. The oldest gov- governmental building in Brooklyn. Absolutely. It used to be the City Hall of Brooklyn. Exactly. And for those that are visiting New York, you should make this part of your tourist tour to come and check it out. Um, with that being said, we've had a number of conversations of teaching free financial literacy classes to the, not only the people of Brooklyn, but to anybody in New York City that wants to attend. So I'm asking you 
when and how can we make this uh, a reality? Right, let's, let's do it. Tell let's us, it. you know, Sandra Chapman, who's here, she's made this her call in, my chief programming officer, and we should definitely connect with you and Sandra so that we can make it a reality. We have been in several schools. We have partnered with several banks, and we would like to continue to expand that. This is an important issue for us here at Borough Hall. So I can put you, on a, so I can put you down and say for, it's happening. We're going to be teaching free classes for the public to come and attend, right? Yes, yes. We, you have this space. You can use it. And we look forward to the partnership. You heard that. You heard that. <laughs> he, he's committing. Okay. Thank you, sir. Now, Borough President, mm-hmm. before we go, yes. what's next? Oh, City Hall. Everyone knows that my aspiration is to be the mayor of the city, to make this a financially sound city, and implement real program as we specifically deal with the financial literacy conversation, that there's some things that we could do in City Hall. Uh, I have yet to hear uh, any of the mayors uh, talk about financial literacy. I have yet to see them roll it out as their campaign uh, and have it part of their real conversation. Conversation, You know, outside of Mayor Bloomberg, who was a businessman that even looked at finance lightly. But why don't we have a citywide agenda around financial literacy? And that is my goal. And there's a process to get to City Hall. You have to uh, get your message out to as many people as possible. We're going through that process. But my goal um, as a police officer to one day serve the city as a chief executive. And we're moving towards that. God willing, in 2021, uh, we will. Make it happen. All right. Well, thank you for being the catalyst in that space. Yes. We wish you the utmost on your campaign. We're excited to watch. Where can the people find you? Where can they follow you? Well, they can, if you go online and Google me, we have a great uh, Bell Hall website. It's uh, www.brooklyn.com. I'm looking at it now, brooklynusa.org, <laughs> www.brooklyn-usa.org, and you just find out a lot of material on what we're doing, but we're easy to Google. Uh, if you Google um, Eric Adams, Brooklyn Borough President, it's a fine way to keep in touch with us, and you also on we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. So okay. we're out there in the social media uh, universe, and as well as Facebook. Awesome. Give them your handle. The the best way to get that handle is to Google. <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like me. <laughs> well, my brother from another mother, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. And thank you, Borough President, and for all your staff for making this happen. And um, as we say in Two Black Guys with Good Credit... You are financially knowledgeable, and you have been certified as a black guy with good credit. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> Appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. Take Thank care. you. Hey, good people. This is Sean from Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and you just listened to our most recent episode with Borough President Eric Adams, myself, and the lady with the facts, Dion, discussing the importance of financial literacy. Guess what? We are finally able to confirm the dates for our free financial literacy workshop series. The, the dates are August 13th. We will begin the classes from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. And it will go for eight weeks until October 1st. The classes will be held at Borough Hall. For those that don't know, Borough Hall is located downtown Brooklyn and 
every single train line gets you there. The classes will be great. Regardless of your situation, it will only help you excel in life and help get your financial business in order or help boost your financial situation. So please come out, bring friends, family, and even your kids. Um, I hope to see you there. Like I said, the classes begin August 13th. If you need more information, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. You can reach out to me directly on Instagram, which is Financially Clean Sean, and Sean is spelled S H A U N. Or you can email me directly at S Linda at financiallyclean.com. That's S is in Sam. L-Y-N-D-A at financiallyclean.com. Can't wait to see you guys there. I'm super excited. Have a blessed day. See you soon. NickNightDirect.com is the fast, easy way to shop online. To buy an item from any U.S. website, just go to NickNightDirect.com. That's N-I-C-N-A-T Direct.com. Choose your method of payment and we'll ship, handle duties, and deliver your item straight to your door. I'm Sean of NickNightDirect.com and you have my word. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 